Hi and welcome to the Demand Matrix podcast series Sunny Side Up. I'm Paroma. I'll be your host for the day. Hi Tessa, welcome to the Demand Matrix podcast Sunny Side Up. Happy to have you here. Tell us how are you today? I'm doing well. It's actually a warm day in New York City, so much better than usual, actually. Great. So uh, do you want to tell everyone a little bit about yourself and about uh, your current role at On24 and what a typical day at work looks like for you? Yeah, sure. So it's interesting. I like to think of the evolution of my role at On24 as being somewhat representative of the evolution that's happening inside marketing today. Mm-hmm. So I started at On24 as our head of marketing communications, primarily PR. And what happened rather quickly was we realized that, and I realized that PR is just a channel for telling a story. And it's really the story that matters most. And once, Mm -hmm. and if you can tell that story, then you can tell that story, yes, via PR, but also via email, on a website, with blogs, you know, across social, in a webinar. So I had that realization very fast, largely because On24 is a marketing platform for marketers. So we're talking about marketing day in and day out. And once I realized that it's not the channel, but the story that matters, I really stopped thinking of myself as only being limited to the swim lane of Marcom and then ended up taking over our entire brand content and communications team and programs. And then since then have evolved to just being our senior director of marketing. And I say that because in today's world where most marketing is digital, there really is no difference. You cannot silo experiences as being brand or being demand gen. What isn't and shouldn't be branded? What isn't and shouldn't tell a story? And what isn't for the purpose of driving leads? And so for me, it's really important. And I like to tell people I'm a senior director of marketing because I'm doing content and putting it in several channels for the purposes of driving awareness, ideally converting that attention into a paying customer, and then nurturing that customer to becoming an advocate. Across all of those stages, brand is important. Content's important. Demand and Mm -hmm. tactics are important. But you can't do any of them in a silo. You really have to have bring them all together. So a day looks for me, (laughs) it's a bit hectic. And it's also... It's very much like being on a bit of a roller coaster because there are some moments where I'm working on very high level strategies, having a conversation about how we're going to take a product to market, thinking about and working with our sales leadership team to identify where there are gaps that we need to fill or white spaces of opportunity when it comes to um, our outreach and our programs. But then I'll drop very quickly down into the weeds of editing a press release or writing out an agenda for a field event that we're having. And that can cause some altitude sickness, but it also Mm -hmm. keeps really close to the execution of our programs while at the same time ensuring that I'm creating the strategy that's behind the tactic. So it's a day that's fairly unpredictable and is very fast paced and means that I'm touching a lot of different marketing programs all at once. And the best part is 
I'm able to connect all those dots. And I think that that's really mm-hmm. what I look at as being a successful day is because I am a part and I have a macro perspective that a lot of people don't. When I'm in a meeting, I'm not just focused on what that specific activity is, but I'm trying to bring that into the context of our larger campaign, our larger marketing strategy, and then ideally the customer journey that we're trying to drive. So it really helps to have my focus on both the high level strategy and be involved with the on the ground execution. So, you know, the amazing part is that uh, I relate to most of this because that's a lot like what my day looks like, you know, give or take a few things here and there. So great. (laughs) Let's talk about some of the top must haves that you feel every B2B marketing outreach should have given your current role and the diverse uh, content work that you, you have under your plate. So first and foremost, every campaign, every touch, it needs to have a point of view. It needs to be telling a story and it needs to be more about your audience than it is about yourself. So I think that we can often as marketers get really caught up in our own internal story and checking off boxes and not really thinking about it from an outside perspective. So when you're doing outreach, you need to clearly explain to your audience what the value is for them not why it's important to you. And I think Mm -hmm. that it can be really easy to forget that. And then I also, I think having a perspective or, and something to say, when you start to hold all of your communications and your touch points to that, you begin to realize that a lot of what you're putting out there is just noise. And it's just something you're doing because again, someone internally wants it done, not necessarily because your customer needs it. And you end up creating really garbage content. That's just a strain on your resources and no one's going to read anyway. And so I think that having a focus on what is the person on the other side going to gain from this experience is critical. That's my number one rule with anything that we do. Mm -hmm. So what content formats do you see being consumed more of by your audience, videos, blogs, webinars, and, uh, you know, amongst all of these uh, various uh, formats that are doing the rounds of late, even podcasts, and where especially do you see the future of video and audio content crew to? So for us, I'm biased, obviously, we are technology powers webinars, and multimedia content experiences. So that is, Mm -hmm. webinars are at the core of every campaign that we run. And that's for a few reasons. First of all, we just find that our audience opts in to webinars better. I mean, again, they are webinar users and marketers. So webinars as a format to them, it's something that they demand, quite frankly, they love. And so it's a win for our audience because they're getting a high value content experience and one that's not static, but dynamic and is changing based upon the questions that they ask or in the polls that they answer, they're getting an opportunity to have a conversation, not just consume a static white paper. And then for us, webinars are a huge win because we're able to make it an integrated experience. So within a single webinar, we're able to embed multiple touch points and reach are prospects who are at different stages in the funnel. So in a single thought leadership webinar, we're able to put a CTA to advance to a demo. We're able to put a CTA to read. We're able to embed more resources to keep binging to to experience more content. We're able to ask a poll to understand their interests and get data about 
that person and understand where they are in their journey to then segment them and nurture them accordingly. So for us, webinars are a huge win. And then I'll give you just some backing to try and make this more more objective. Serious decisions, Mm -hmm. they regularly survey buyers. And time and time again, buyers come back and say that webinars are their number one human touch point. And then when it comes to results, for us, 66% of our opportunities are influenced, we, we attribute to the webinar being their last touch. So for us, webinars are the win-win. It's what our audience wants, and it gives us what we need as marketers. It gives us the data, it gives us the results. So mm-hmm. for someone who's not doing webinars and you know thinking outside of just my on 24 world, I would say the channel that gives you that win-win that high value exchange where your audience is opting in and being willing to give you their data for the content that you're creating and you're getting something in return, that's what you should optimize. That's what you should lean into. Doing a bunch of content just for the sake of doing content because everyone does it, you're not going to get anywhere because your audience isn't reading it. And again, you're not learning anything more about them. It is investing in those experiences that are creating a multiple, (laughs) they're good for you and they're good for your audience is, is super important. Yeah. I think for so long, you know, when digital was first rising, we had to adapt our marketing for screens, right? For mobile, for email, for being delivered in a digital context. And now we're seeing the pendulum almost swinging back where you're finding buyers and prospects wanting screen less experiences. So think about Alexa, right? That's all voice activated. Podcasts are having a huge rise because it's something that you can listen to and engage with without having to look at a screen. So Mm -hmm. for us, voice-based communication is huge. Again, I think that that's why. So webinars, yes, you can watch on a screen, but you're also listening to someone. And it's just... There is nothing more powerful than hearing a message directly from the person who's articulating it. When you write, it can get, you know, it's open to perception. It can also tend to go through approvals and be watered down. And just hearing something directly from someone's mouth is incredibly powerful for your audience to understand exactly what it is that you're trying to say and also to be more genuine. And quite frankly, it's just easier to produce content, right? Like there's no, there's not, if you could get on on the phone or on a podcast and broadcast everything you wanted to say, I think all that time and resources you poured into writing your webpage uh, would be deemed irrelevant. Yeah. And making a presentation, especially. Yeah. Oh yeah. I think we're seeing marketing evolve into being a balance of screen and screenless touches. And then obviously I I still think in-person events are relevant and it's just about when and how you use them and orchestrating campaigns to have all of it. And then that way you're making sure that you're offering up different experiences for your audience based upon what they want and also the stage that they're at in their journey with you. Absolutely. So can you tell us next about some of the most successful campaigns you've run and uh, especially how hyper-personalization or maybe ABM played a key role here? If you've used these, how, how have they driven results for you and have you executed campaigns at scale when it comes to personalization? I'll use um, actually a campaign that we're running right now. 
our campaigns are always on. So when people ask me to report results, I'm like, today's? Last week's? You know? So a campaign that we started in the past few weeks is called Breakthrough the Noise. It's a top of funnel campaign. We like to think of our market as those searching for webinars and those who are not. And then that will help us understand, you know, how high level we have to be in our campaign messaging and also how high level the high value content offers have to be. So Breakthrough the Noise is geared at just marketing in general. You know, it's not necessarily someone who's doing webinars, doesn't know about webinars. And we ended up creating a piece of research with Matt Hines, who's a thought leader in this space, called Breakthrough the Noise. And what it does is it analyzes what content is working and what's not from the point of view of a marketer. And it is a somewhat of a self-fulfilling thesis, but most marketers today are way less confident about the impact that their content is having than they were a few years ago. And I think, you know, that's due to a few reasons. Primarily, it's so noisy. And so our whole point of view in this is, You need to break through the digital noise with experiences that matter. There's so much out there. Mm -hmm. So you as a company, you as a brand cannot afford to blend in. You need to create experiences that your audience want to engage with because just spraying and praying doesn't work because there are now laws in place and technologies in place to stop that. There are spam filters, there are ad blockers, and there is GDPR, which means that you can no longer use the rules of probability to drive leads. You have to actually have a meaningful experience. So that's what our campaign message was all about. We activated that again through the research. That then led to a webinar, which we view as our conversion stage. And actually, we also activated this at Serious Decision Summit. So we're, which is an audience that, you know, I think that messaging is perfect for. We leveraged the scans that we got at the booth to feed as an acquisition source for this campaign. And so now in the conversion stage, we're talking about how webinars help you do that across the buying cycle. That then leads to our acceleration phase where once someone understands the value of webinars, we're then asking them to come to a webinar where we show a demo of our platform. And the ABM aspect as part of this is, you know, if, we're tracking our tier one accounts who've opted in and are engaging with this campaign. And if we ever see them fall off, we actually have a direct mail incentive that we're offering. So, you mm-hmm. know, if, if they attend the webinar and they don't then go to the demo, our, we have our SDRs following up offering noise canceling headphones, which again, you know, they go along with the campaign message, but then they're a they're an incentive for someone to remain engaged with us and to stay the path and it be months before they ever come back to us mm-hmm. and same thing for a meeting. So we embed ABM into our general campaigns and that's an example of it. And actually at, at Serious Decisions itself, we structured our field events around going after high value accounts. So while we viewed our trade show booth as the way to capture the general population, We then embedded high value events inside of our presence there. So we had a dinner for top prospects. We invited certain prospects to Austin City Limits to a concert. So that helps us balance the need for quantity and lead volume with an opportunity to ensure that there's quality of the accounts that we're reaching. So I want to talk about the direct mail aspect here. How did it work for you? How does it work for you in your campaigns? Do you see more engagement after prospects have received something? Or um, would you replace the direct mail aspect? Or would you keep it? Would you say that it works? You know, I think it is all about what you're trying to achieve. 
For us, when we've used direct mail as a door opener, like it's a cold outreach, we don't we don't see great response. When we use mm-hmm. it as an accelerator, then it is a whole different ball game. So an example of this is we have, you know, we have webinars that we run all the time. If a tier one account is signed up for it, we will follow up after that with then a direct mailer because essentially they've already showed us that yes, they're interested. Yes, they're engaged. And now we're just trying to turn up the intensity of that engagement and accelerate them through the funnel. I think direct mail, you'll waste a lot of time and money just sending out again, if you're spraying and and praying, like it's not going to work because if someone's not interested in your content, I'm not sure that sending them headphones is going to make a difference. But if someone is interested Mm -hmm. in your content and they've showed that intent and then you send them headphones and you're getting them directly with the rep, you've skipped past the stage of having to nurture and then convert and then set up a meeting. You've leapfrogged them already into a sales meeting phase. When before Mm -hmm. a traditional nurture stream, they were going to have to have a few more touches. And I think that that's really what direct mail does. And that has to be used strategically. It just helps someone to leapfrog past a typical nurture stream and into a sales conversation immediately. But you need to have a qualifier in place for that effect to happen personally. So that's that's Mm -hmm. been our journey with it. And that's just where we're at today. I'm sure that that will evolve. And because you also have to think about, you're not the only one marketing to these people. So what's so interesting about ABM is I'm sure almost everyone has the same named accounts, right? And so when it comes to advertising to them or sending direct mailers, you're probably one of many. And we sometimes Mm -hmm. forget that. And I think even when you do programmatic advertising buys for specific accounts, probably it's a lot harder because you are competing against everyone else who's also trying to get in front of those accounts. So I also think that the flavor of the month marketing tactic can sometimes have to do with how impactful it is. And you'll see diminishing returns the more you do them. So the first Mm -hmm. time you do a direct mailer, and if you did a direct mailer a year ago, it's probably going, you know, it's probably going to have better impact than doing one today when everyone's doing direct mail. And now if you're not sending champagne and are just sending a water bottle, that's not as good. So Direct mail is a tricky one because it does put you in a position where you're almost the highest bidder is going to get their attention. Mm -hmm. And actually the same is true, even in a digital context of just advertising, like the highest bidder will get the attention. And so it's just, I think it's really important to be cautious and aware of that because the tactic itself still may be good, but there are externalities that you can't control, which will have an impact on how effective they are. So what are some of the major flaws that you notice in this space when it comes to uh, creating marketing communication copy or content? (laughs) (laughs) Or maybe uh, if you just want to talk about the things you'd like to change. Day-to-day sales outreach and email outreach and prospecting. So many times, even just looking at the pronouns someone is using, it's so Mm -hmm. interesting how often I will get an email communication from a salesperson who's prospecting and it will be all about them. 
It's all about, I'd like to speak with you. Okay, well, that's great. How do you know I want to speak with you? Like, stop thinking about so much yourself and think about who it is that you're talking to. Even in copy, we can get very wrapped up and very self-serving. So that largely, and that largely happens when you see copy that is so jargony, has such mumbo jumbo. I like to just strip it back and just really plain language and conversational so that someone understands what it is that you're trying to say. The reason why that's the case is you don't have anything to say. And if you don't have anything Mm -hmm. to say, then you probably shouldn't do it. Bad copy is more of an outcome of not having a strategy or a purpose for what you're trying to say than anything else. Bad copy is a symptom of a much bigger problem. Right. So I'm sure you're probably using a lot of MarTech products when you run your campaigns. What do you think the market will demand more of in the coming months when it comes to MarTech or sales tech products or maybe even content marketing products? I've talked a lot about experiences and I've talked a lot about channels in which to deliver those experiences. Mm -hmm. I think when you can combine the two, that's where you win. And so the more integrated your experience can be, the better it is. And then the technology that facilitates that. So again, for us with webinars, that's why it's so great is we're creating content and delivering demand at the same time. It's really hard to find a lot of technologies that do both that content creation and delivery. I think that that's a huge need in the market. Creating content is is really, really hard. It's really, really expensive. Then when you have it sitting in a silo and you have to figure out a way to activate it and a way to actually get it in front of your prospects, that's typically a whole different team. And it's now someone has to deliver content that was created by one person. And now they have to make it work in this channel that they're trying to activate it in. Like you've already lost, right? Because content should be created for the context in which it will be activated. So I think you'll see more technologies that are solving that problem. I also think that the days of vanity metrics are over. We are moving past quantity being a sign of success. Clicks, views, impressions, those are all quantity-driven metrics. Those are all just about volume. They have nothing to do with the results. And where we really need to look at is what are signals of quality? So someone clicked, but are they spending time? Someone viewed something, but are they asking a question? And that's helping us separate what is what true engagement really means. And it largely rests with the redefinition of our KPIs and what success is. And I think that there are different attribution tools and different ways to start measuring quality. It's really hard. And I, I, I'm mm-hmm. hoping that in the future there will be there will be better ways to interpret and understand the quality of your results, not just the quantity. Yes, absolutely. Do you want to tell us about some of the tools that you use to enable your efforts? So from a measurement standpoint, I'm not a marketing ops expert. We do use lean data largely to understand attribution and understand where accounts are, where accounts are engaging. From a content creation and delivery standpoint, we use Marketo to automate our communications. We use webinars largely most of the time to create content and our own platform. We have an engagement hub solution and a target page solution. So those actually help us deliver our webinars and other content in bingeable content hubs Mm -hmm. or personalized landing pages. We use that a lot. Mm -hmm. 
And then there's targeting. Most technology is just about orchestration and targeting. It's a back end. You need to have technology to create something when they get there. So, you know, for targeting, we use Sixth Sense and Zen IQ. We also leverage Terminus to deliver our ads. We use Optimizely demand base to understand who's coming and serve up different experiences. Those are the primary technologies that I can think of. I mean, a MarTech stack is uh, it's interesting because you see everyone put their logos and show how these technologies are working with each other. But I think that when you do that, you've sort of missed the point. The technology is just the enabler. I'm way more focused on what's the customer journey that I'm trying to achieve and then going and getting the tools to get there. The technology is not the strategy. It's just a way to execute the tactic that supports the strategy. You know, I think people think they're doing ABM because they're using an ABM platform. They're not. Because if you're not engaging an account and you're just putting a logo on something, that's not ABM. Technology can sometimes be an excuse for the real work. Yeah, absolutely. Tessa, I think you shared some amazing insights and some amazing ideas and thoughts for us and with our audience. Is there anything uh, specific you'd like to share in terms of key takeaways or a few words of advice before we close for the day? I think that, you know, something that you'll never find a category for on a MarTech stack or and be able to measure against is just good marketing. That to me is defined by creating experiences that your audience actually wants and it's not shoving it down their throats. You know, it's not tricking them into a piece of clickbait. It should be on your audience's terms and opportunity that they actually want to engage with, not are forced to. And Mm -hmm. so I just feel like we as marketers need to pick our heads up, see the forest, not just between the trees, and look at the big picture of how are all of these different tactics lining up to ultimately creating and building a relationship with our customers and prospects, and what's the outcome we're trying to achieve. Because without that macro view, it doesn't matter how much technology you have. It doesn't matter how many messages you send. They'll be ignored. You need to have a conversation and not just interrupt. Absolutely. Thank you, Dessa. Thank you so much uh, for participating on Sunny Side Up. Have a good day. Thank you so much. It was so fun being on. I appreciate it. Mm-hmm.